for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Grant Brisby, who covers the San Francisco Giants for the Athletic, about the end of the Giants season and how Farhan Zaidi and Gabe Kapler wrapped it up with their postseason press conference. They hit on whether or not they'd be bringing Buster Posey back. They talked about potentially handing Chris Bryant a contract, as well as which coaches could be returning or be leaving for other coaching staffs across Major League Baseball. All things we can talk about and commiserate with Grant Brisby, who joins me next. Today is Wednesday. October 20th. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast Grant Brisby. He covers the Giants for The Athletic. And Grant, I, I wish we were talking under happier circumstances, but maybe no better guy I'd want to commiserate the Giants 2021 season with than you, man. How are you, Grant? I'm doing well, doing well. Yeah, you know what? I just have to get this out of the way. Your tweet about, uh, I wonder if the 2021 SF Giants are thinking about me too, uh, made me belly laugh. That is a good way to put it. <laughs> I told my girlfriend that I tweeted that, and it, it, it got some traction. She just kind of rolled her eyes and then like went back to work, uh, which is which is what I think happens when – it's funny. She's from Australia. It's the first time she's been with me uh, during a Giants postseason run. We met right after the end of the 2016 playoffs against the Cubs, and she got like full bore. You know what I mean? She got division series, <laughs> Giants-Dodgers. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't really a functioning member of society over the last couple of weeks, man. How'd you take the loss uh, outside of you, you injuring your arm during a Giants – win, I think it was, right? Yeah, no, I slipped and fell for a, a game three and, and fractured my elbow, which uh, wasn't ideal. I know that I've been spoiled as a Giants observer. I was more of a fan in 2010, 2012, 2014. I never thought the Giants would win one. So that run really does soften a lot of blows. At the same time, like I just wanted to cover this postseason. I was not done with this team yet. I was not done with their unique brand of magic, their unique brand of just like, how are they doing this? I was not done with it. I wanted more. And so, you know, I'll watch the NLCS. I'm watching the ALCS. It looks like a lot of fun. In one respect, I'm happy to be relaxed during it. At the same time, man, it's just, I I was not done with this team. Baseball has that feeling of like finality to it when it ends because there's no clock, right? Like when the 49ers blew the Super Bowl a few years back or you and I were talking before we got going here about Kyrie Irving hitting the big three-pointer against the Warriors, you know you're getting to the end of something, but even down to the final Wilmer Flores at bat, there's hope because you just don't know what happens in a baseball game. That's why Bobby Thompson was so incredible. That's why Travis Ishikawa was so incredible because when it ends, it's just sort of over and you've had these people with you, it seems like, in your house for six months and, and maybe even longer if you go back to uh, to spring training. And so when the season goes in an unexpected way and it was this successful, it just feels much more final to me. There's a, there's a, uh, an element of just sort of having your heart ripped out when it ends. I said this on the Bags and Brisbee podcast. I have no patience for that argument that, oh, well, Flores wasn't going to touch Scherzer anyway. It's like, my dude, have you watched baseball before? Have you like <laughs> heard of this sport and like how it works? Because, you know, probably not. The odds were against him. And that would have been a much more satisfying ending if he just waved through a Scherzer changeup. Like, okay, that's, you know, Scherzer's all a famer. That's what he does. Fair enough. But you can't just go back and say like, oh, you know what? Uh, Neftali Feliz has two strikes on David Freeze. You know what David Freeze hits on two strike counts. You know what uh, hitters do against Neftali Feliz and two strike counts. It's never going to happen. And then Freeze hits a triple. You know, it's like, that's what happens. Like the one strike left is still a gift. And so I have no patience for that argument. I just wanted to see how it would have ended. 
Yeah, Dodger fans don't know much about Connor Gillespie, I guess, uh, or <laughs> against Araldis Chapman. What's funny is you say, haven't you watched baseball before? I go, haven't you seen Kurt Russell's speech in Miracle before? Like, that's what I think about. <laughs> tonight, we, tonight we hit Scherzer. Tonight we skate with him. So, you know, we got the postseason presser from uh, from Gabe Kapler and Farhan. And, and these things, when the season is still happening and the playoffs are still happening and the calendar year of baseball hasn't ended yet, we don't get all the answers we want. A couple of topics we'll hit on. What was your takeaway? I think most people heard the Buster Posey comments and thought, well, if Buster wants to be back, he'll be back. And I don't blame Buster for saying, I want to talk this over with my wife and see what happens because it's not totally up to him to make the call. It's a team option on whether or not they pick up the $22 million. So I think he loses a little bit of negotiation power if he comes out before the season's over and says, yeah, yeah, I'm back no matter what. I'd like to be back, et cetera. What, what was your takeaway from Farhan and Gabe's comments on Buster Posey? It's a weird situation because he's obviously playing almost as well as he's ever played, at least since his MVP season. But catching is a different kind of animal. And, you know, he's taken a lot of foul tips to the mask. He has uh, four kids now. You know, there are other considerations, you know, other than I'm playing at the top of my game. Why wouldn't I come back? Catching's hard in the body. You know, it, it's a hard life, especially if you, you've done as much as Posey's done. You know, he's won three championships. He's won the Rookie of the Year. He's won the MVP. Like, he's done a lot. Lot of baseball and there has to be some consideration of do I want to keep this going I would think he would I would has to be hard for someone as competitive as him to step away when you're playing at such a high level so I do think he would want to come back in the Giants I mean that's exactly what you want to hear from them is yeah he'll be back of course you know we have the team option at the very least we can exercise that maybe we can do some sort of extension but at the very least the team is better with Buster Posey and that makes sense and Farhan, when John Shea asked him directly, uh, you know, are you going to pick up the option? He said, he's the best uh, catcher. We believe he was the best catcher in the National League this year in baseball or whatever it was that he said, which leads you to believe maybe they would uh, they would continue those conversations. And I think if, if he wants to be back, he will be back. Now, the other conversation would be Chris Bryant. What's your take on how his season ended? Because I look at his numbers playing two-thirds of the year with the Cubs and a third of the season with the Giants. I think he played 51 or 52 games with the Giants. I didn't think his numbers were all that bad. I know September wasn't spectacular. He was maybe the best hitter for the Giants in that series against the Dodgers. He's going to command a lot of money. He's going to command, uh, I think there'll be a lot of suitors after him. What's interesting about this situation is he's a big-name free agent. You can't hand him the qualifying offer because you acquired him in a trade. Also, we've got this collective bargaining thing that's got to be worked out probably before one of these contracts is handed out. What do you think happens with the contract negotiation for Bryant, and do you see Farhan being prepared to hand out a 250 million dollar contract to keep him here the language that was used for brian in that post-mortem press conference was different than belt and posies just because i they're familiar with belt and posy and their agents and i think that they've made progress and they have been making progress all season with those two and you know they can't say well you know we're on the one yard line or whatever they just have to say yeah you know we want them back we're negotiating when it comes to bryant and you're talking about scott boris you know you're not having those touchy-feely conversations and i know that chris bryant said hey i'm the boss i decide what where i go where i stay but now it's the offseason and you have to gauge the interest first. You have to know what teams are just out there looking and, and thinking, this is the guy we want. This is We've had him targeted for four years. He fits our philosophies, our team, our roster, whatever, to a T. And they're just going to go over the top. The Giants are not going to go over the top for a player. They're going to set a value for that player. If another team wants to pay more, the Giants, I believe, are willing to say, okay, listen, 
best of luck, but we're not going to go over that. We're not going to value you beyond what our internal valuation is. So I, I think that's why they were a little bit more cautious with someone like Bryant, who you don't know, like it might be a team says, okay, we want to pay five, you know, the best offer he gets is five years, 150 or something. You don't know if there's a team out there that's like 10 years, 300 million, let's do it. Like you just don't know. And so that's the difference. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. You've got to sort of wait and see what the market is going to dictate. I think from a from a roster construction standpoint, they might be okay without going and, and, and re-signing Chris Bryant. You could probably get somebody a little bit cheaper. We talked all last year, all offseason leading into this year, about the big shortstops that were going in the market. Now maybe it seems like the, none of them could be signed by the Giants, and maybe you bring up Luciano or you bring up Elliot Ramos next year, and you just sort of see what happens. From a fan standpoint, I think I'm looking at the pitching staff. You know you need to bring in at least four starting pitchers and probably more more than that. And uh, and what's funny is I wonder if there's like a Lamont Wade out there. Is there some some double-A pitcher uh, in the Mariner system that's that's not getting the opportunity he needs and maybe Farhan picks him up and he ends up in the rotation next year? Do you have a wish list as far as how they go about bringing back some of the starters that are on the roster and then maybe some of the big-name free agent starters that are out there? Before the postseason, I was thinking Disclafani had a chance to come back. Uh, he's going to get a healthy chunk of money, and I think he's still a good pitcher. I'm not sure if the Giants are going to value him as like, you know, if, if you're wary about starting him in uh, the postseason at all, are you going to be comfortable giving him some sort of, uh, you know, I don't even know what his market would be, $10, 15000000 million a year. Seems a little pricey. I think Gosman, they like, you know, he knows the Wi-Fi password. He knows how to get to the ballpark. Like, <laughs> I think they want him back. Logan Webb emerging helps them out a lot lot. Uh, I'm going to spoil one of the articles I'm going to write. I don't know if it's going to be next week or next month, but there is a pitcher that I have circled and he is a pitcher who doesn't want a long-term contract. He probably doesn't want anything more than a one-year contract. He has a ceiling that's above and beyond what most pitchers have. He is like what the Giants have tried to do with Gosman and Drew Smiley and Drew Pomerantz, but he's like an extra version of that. It's Noah Syndergaard. Like, I think he fits what the Giants do and their success with, you know, Gosman and Disclafani and Alex Wood should make Syndergaard go, oh, hell yeah, that is an organization that fits exactly what I'm trying to do. It seems like a perfect marriage. So we'll see if that works. Yeah, he's a guy at the top of my list, too. And I don't know that you'd go after a guy like a Verlander who's coming off of Tommy John or a guy like Max Scherzer who's deep in the postseason this year. A couple of those guys might not command a deep long-term contract. And I think that's the one element of the roster or the, the organization that's a little thin is starting pitching. You're still waiting for Sean Jelly. You're still waiting for Kyle Harrison. I don't know that Tyler Beattie's going to end up being much of anything in a, in a rotational role, but I'm with you. Noah Syndergaard could be a really interesting piece. J- just one more hit here on the way out on the coaching staff. I'm sort of looking at this like the way NFL coaching staffs work where you may be plucking guys or guys could be getting plucked off of this Gabe Kapler coaching tree because so many of these guys are in their first role on a big league staff. I was talking to Somebody last week, might have been Greg Pop at KMBR, about uh, you could end up with Kai Correa maybe in the next three or four years going from like University of Puget Sound into a major league managerial role potentially somewhere over the course of like a decade. That would be alarming. It's also not totally out of left field for, for you know, no pun intended or, or pun intended. What do you think about the coaching staff and, and do you think people could be plucked off of it as soon as this offseason? 
I do. I think uh, you can definitely have some poaching going on as soon as this offseason. Alex Pavlovich had a really good article about like how this coaching staff came together. And what surprised me is the, these weren't necessarily Kapler's buddies. This is him doing a, a network and saying, you know, I've heard good things about this guy. Don't know him, but I've heard from people I trust that this is someone to target. This is someone to target. And that's how the coaching staff was built. So that makes me think that they can kind of do that again, replicate that magic, fill in the, you know, almost like you're finding the Lamont Wade Jr. of coaches. You know, you're just going out and you're hearing, okay, this guy, you know, he's got something or she's got something. Like, that's what the Giants, they did a really, really good job of it. So you will see guys like Kai Correa maybe maybe go somewhere else. You can see guys getting interviewed. I think that's only natural. Uh, makes me think of like the Niners under Bill Walsh, you know, for a while there was just, you had you had all these coaches all over the place, the Walsh coaching tree, and maybe you're going to see that here. Kerry Crowley said this to me, and, and maybe he just stole it from you, uh, so maybe we don't give him any credit. Uh, do you, do you, uh, I hope he hears this and, and hears me say that. Uh, do, he, he was suggesting maybe Antoine Richardson goes from first base coach to third base, and maybe we end up with Alyssa Nacken as the first ever woman on-field coach in Major League Baseball. That'd be pretty cool. That would be super, super cool. And you know what? It's I have no idea how you evaluate how a coach is going to do at third base because it's so critical and it's, you know, you have to have that knowledge base. You have to be, that's why, that's what made Ron Wodo so good at it is he knew all the players, but he also had that sense, that feel of the game. It's almost like you want a baseball lifer there because they've seen so much baseball. They have so many plays imprinted in their brain. You get someone younger like Richardson, I don't know, maybe you can get caught up like you saw Phil Nevin with the Yankees in their postseason run he's on the younger side for a coach and he's seeing a lot of baseball don't get me wrong but there's still like you almost want a little bit of experience there at third base was there a Giants third base coach in general that used to frustrate you? Who was it? Was it Wendell Kim was over there for a long time? or uh, Wendell Kim. Wendell Kim was... Uh, Sonny boy, Jackson. Had, yeah. Sonny Jackson. <laughs> they had the windmill going, you know, and that is... I actually liked Roberto Kelly more than most, you know. I thought he, he did an okay job and got a lot of criticism that wasn't necessarily deserved. But yeah, Wendell Kim for me, that was growing up. That was formative stuff to, to watch him get guys thrown out of the plate the old dusty staffs and uh, and even before that right so uh hey thanks so much grant it's always fun catching up dude and uh, and we'll make sure we look forward to your your piece on uh noah Syndergaard. it'd be a great place for him to rehab i say bring that foot and mouth uh virus or whatever it was he kept bring that out west we'll figure that thing out for you <laughs> you know what i've had hand foot and mouth before so we can commiserate i'll ask that'll be the first question at the press conference <laughs> yeah what did you take noah <laughs> anyway all right <laughs> great stuff grant we'll talk to you later man all right thanks so much for having me on Great stuff from Grant Brisby. Yeah, always fun talking baseball with him. And and that's the guy who's at the top of my list right now. There are a lot of guys who've been injured. Noah Syndergaard, as I mentioned, Justin Verlander. Marcus Stroman, a guy who's out there as a free agent. Clayton Kershaw, among a few others. Maybe the Giants want to go the older pitcher route. They were okay with taking a flyer on Scott Casimir. I'm not sure why you wouldn't take a flyer on somebody else. They did it this year with Aaron Sanchez as well. So maybe rehabbing a guy from injury. We've seen them so successful over the last couple of years. Kevin Gossman, uh, Drew Pomeranz, Drew Smiley. Anthony DiSclefani, even what we've seen from Logan Webb. It looks like a staff that knows how to fix some guys and maybe get them into bigger long-term contracts. 
Thank you to Grant. Thank you to Brian, my producer. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. That'll probably be our last Giants hit for just a little bit. We'll definitely pay attention to what happens in the hot stove league and what goes on across baseball this offseason. But uh, we'll start to turn our sights back to the NFL, back to your 49ers, as well as the Golden State Warriors, who tipped off on Tuesday night. They play again Thursday against the L.A. Clippers at Chase Center. But Friday, we'll get into a little Indianapolis Colts 49er football, Sunday night football, national televised. The Niners off the bye week. They'll be taking on Carson Wentz and their old friend DeForest Buckner. Everybody enjoy the week. We'll talk to you Friday.